0: Cyberspace. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the good trash genre cast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new movies. To seek out new meaning and new analysis. To boldly go where no podcast has gone.
1: End of the good trash genre cast, where we, a uh, group of guys, used to be part of the Film Society once upon a time. Uh, still continue podcasting into the ether. So hello, dear internet. We're so glad to be speaking to you about a movie called Spaceballs. But before we can do that, we need to do introductions. And that way, you know who is speaking to you through the ether or the buds of your generic podcasting device, whatever it may be.
0: I can tell you right now, it's probably not an Android device. <laughs> After <laughs> looking at the <laughs> Stitcher, the Stitcher stats. That's sad. Uh,
1: time. Well, introduce yourself, sir. My and name is Dalton Glasses. St- my,
0: shut up. <laughs> my name is Dalton Stewart, and yes, it's true. Even on an
2: iOS device, nothing works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. And to my right, sir.
2: I am Arthur Gordon, and somebody needs to bring me the ludes because. There's no way I'm doing this show sober.
1: <laughs> My name is Dustin Sells, and I am your father's brother's uncle's cousin's former roommate. Well, that was a nice dissolve. Which? What does that make me? Absolutely nothing. We are going to talk about a movie called Spaceballs. We're going to give our quick reviews in case you have not seen it, and then we're going to get into spoiler territory because this is not a review show anyway. It's an analysis show. So we begin with a synopsis and then our quick reviews. Voice of the cinema Arthur Gordon if you would sir
2: Planet Spaceballs President Scroob sends Lord Dark Helmet to steal Planet Druidia's abundant supply of air to replenish their own and only Lone Star can stop them
1: So let's just get on into it Fair and let's talk it. about um, our now or rather our reviews uh, whether this one works for us or not, did it age well? Does it fail to age? Does it does it give us a song of a fine combination of fragrances as you sip this wine, or is it more worthy of the drain? I ask you first, Mister Dalton Stewart. What say you, sir? It's okay.
0: It's funny, like your your dad's funny at a barbecue, and he's had a couple of beers. Is <laughs> that just enough to forget that you're his kid, but not enough to forget that he's in a he's a grown man. It's dad funny. It's, you know, it's like, uh, (laughs) Run, Forrest, run! A limo pulls up to my rides here. It's dad funny. It's dad jokes for the whole movie. And it's cute. Um, and a lot of Mel Brooks movies are like that. I don't like this as much as I like other Mel Brooks films. I certainly wouldn't put this up there with Young Frankenstein by a long shot. That's Uh, fair. Or, uh, you know, Robin Hoodman and Ties, for that matter. I think Robin Hoodman and Ties is a lot funnier than this. Um... It, a lot of the comedy in this just feels really tired mm-hmm. and lazy, and I honestly don't know if it's because so much of what Mel Brooks did has been so influential for so long that it's like... I don't know, listening to Chuck Berry after you listen to The Who. I that That's the best... You know what I mean? It's just we once you've seen the end result of the influence, can the influence still match up? With Chuck Berry and The Who, it totally does. But with Mel Brooks, you know, looking at who he's influenced and how good they are. I mean, the Adam McKay stuff is clearly influenced by him. Um, I think Seth Farland's hugely influenced by uh, by Mel Brooks. I, I just don't know. And for me, Spaceballs just doesn't really hold up at all. I, I think the best jokes in this film, as I've already alluded to, uh, are the meta jokes about filmmaking. Uh, the, my favorite joke in the whole movie, the only time I laughed out loud watching this was... Nice Dissolve? Thanks, John. John Candy's always, uh, he's he's great. But yeah, the Nice Dissolve line was really funny. I me. Mean, John Hurt uh, reprising his role from Alien, also hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there's mm-hmm. some the pop culture jokes that are timeless, like the merchandising, like the Aliens reference, those really work. The few pop culture references that are a little dated still work okay. Uh, but again, for me, it's all the meta stuff, the winking, the nature of the filmmaking itself that's going on, the merchandising stuff. I think that's very smart and kind of mm-hmm. on the nose, but all the dick jokes, all the fart jokes, all the slapstick comedy, I don't find any of it really that amusing. And I like slapstick comedy and dick jokes, typically.
1: Uh, but for me, it just doesn't really work that well. Alright, well thank you for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Um, Arthur Gordon, what say you? On
2: well, the words of Dalton Stewart. Eh. Eh. You yeah, know, I, I feel like actually words. Yes, but I usually say that when I—they've <laughs> been I used on the show enough. I think they're. Putting the I, I
0: starred probably twenty percent
2: of my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is just a lot of missed opportunity. I think it's it's something you get into with uh, Brooks' work post Young Frankenstein in '74, and that's you know he really peaked then. I mean, he, yeah, he, he peaked early. He peaked early. Um, you know, if his most recent work just Echo echoed, I'd say Robin Hood Man Tights is the best thing he's done in in that last part of his career. Uh, Spaceballs has a lot of stuff going for it. I think the cast is a lot of fun. Mm. I like John Candy. I like Bill Pullman. I think Bill Pullman's really good I think good it's here. a lot of fun. Um, I like Rick Moranis. They all, they do, they sell their, you know, they, they sell those, those roles like they should. Colonel Sanders, I, I find him very funny as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. I forget the actor's name. Uh, I just, I feel like the movie just misses something. It's just lacking something. I think the, the tiredness of it's really hitting the nail on the head. Uh, a lot of the jokes are just too on the nose. They're easy. You know, we've got Lord Helmet with his oversized helmet. I bet she gives great Helmet. Yeah. And yeah. It's I, just, they're easy jokes to make. It's yeah, the easy jokes.
0: Exactly. And Mel Brooks is more of anybody all
2: heard. shocked that they didn't name Barf, like, Tobacco? Like, in keeping with everything else? Like, everybody else's name is just a, like, Pizza the Hut. Pizza Lord the Hut, yeah, yeah. And then Barf. Lots of weird pun jokes. Yeah, Barf right. just seems kind that of... just doesn't fit the rest of the... No. <clears throat> um, I just yeah.
0: on Solo. Lone Star. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, I don't, it, I don't know. There's a lot of missed opportunity here for me.
0: I will say, um, the Druish princesses finding wealth and power attractive. Also funny. There are some good yeah. jokes in here. You mm-hmm. know, but She doesn't look Druish. She doesn't look Druish? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> there are some good... The, the nose job bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's the best plastic surgeon in all the galaxy. And Beverly Hills. Like, there are some good <laughs> jokes in here. But yeah, but a yeah. lot of them are... I bet she gives great help. Yeah. You, you know, they've gone plaid. The whole ridiculous speed sequence is really obnoxious. I love the pulling the spaceballs VCR out. That's yeah. that's great yes, to so. I me. Mean, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I, Arthur, I think we we're exactly on the same page. The bits that aren't too easy are really smart and really funny and really good. Yeah. But the bits that are too are too easy just
1: don't really work that well.
2: Yeah. So that's what that's that's my verdict on it.
1: Well, guys, I had nostalgia on my side uh, for my review. I saw this uh, very, very early in my film watching <laughs> career. Oh, I've seen this before several times. And well, I just I, I loved it. I just thought it was so funny because I was a kid, and, and uh, certainly the maturity level of uh, the humor. I, I remember Crystal saying as we watched this, "This is a thirteen-year-old boy's movie," and or or a weird uncle. Yeah, yeah, but 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 but, yeah. but it's kind humorous. Fair, fair. Well, the kind of humor. Well, you know who thinks the uncle's the funniest. Is a thirteen-year-old boy, right? right. And, and and that's really what it is. And I was maybe a little younger than thirteen when I first saw it. But from the get-go, if you can read this, you don't need glasses. The ship that uh, just keeps going. That's a Joan be, freaking Rivers. Okay, it's pretty good here. It's fantastic. Water, water, oil, room service. <laughs>
0: I, hate, I no, I hate that bit.
1: That bit was not
0: great. Uh, I hate that bit.
1: I'm not, I'm I
0: hate not, it. I'm not real... It makes female. me angry. There's a couple of bits in here that are so bad that I'm just like, you're better than this, Mel. Yeah.
1: You're better than this. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, I, I'm i used to jokes failing them, because I'm not really... I'm not... I don't watch a lot of comedies. So I guess I might have some mercy there. If it makes me laugh at all, I'm in. Well, that's... Again, that's my rule for a comedy. Did I laugh?
0: Yes or no. Good or bad. I laughed out loud once, and it was the, ooh, good dissolve. Which mm-hmm. to me is really hilarious, and I don't know why. I I smiled a lot. I chuckled a couple of times, but it's just not that funny.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I I laughed a lot. You know the beaming scene. You know, first of all, that that snotty beamed her twice. Uh, was pretty. He beamed me twice last night. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just goes across the room. I thought it was pretty hilarious. The head
0: on backwards is stupid. The going across the room, going one room over, that is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And I, I. yeah, and, I would and that's a lot of this movie, I think, is a lot of really stupid, easy jokes mixed with some effortless, effortlessly brilliant
1: jokes. Well, I think it's flat for, for nail. Flat for nail, right? It's just you flat one out, just doesn't hit at mm-hmm. all, and then you nail one. Yeah. And I, since, for me, again, when I watch comedy... I, I'm typically not amused. I'm not a big fan of comedies in general, and uh, so I, I'm used to not laughing. And when I laugh half the time, that's a success for me. And so for me, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. And um, it, it's not as good as Young Frankenstein. It's not as good as Blazing Saddles. It's not as good as Robin Hood Men and Tights. Um, it's probably as good as um, High Anxiety uh, history of the World, I haven't seen,
0: actually. I've seen bits and pieces of it, so now it's. Well, no, History of the World's pretty. The Inquisition, let's begin. The Inquisition, root out sin. That's hilarious. So, never mind. I,
1: I retract the previous so... <laughs> Nonetheless, I think we, we now have an idea where we're all coming from uh, as far as our appreciation of the film. I think at this point, it's good to go ahead and move on to our analysis.
2: Hey, you and my class? I am today.
1: So our analysis, as we move to it, I begin with you, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What do you say? What bring you?
2: Parody is a tricky medium to use. I, I personally, I like I like parody a lot. I like satire a lot. I think if you do it well, it's one of the the, the greatest things ever done. Um, and satire, I think, a lot of times is even trickier to do properly. And oftentimes, films will miss this mark, and they'll they'll sacrifice tone, or they'll they'll miss something, so you don't understand what's happening, and you miss the satire in it. Um, parody suffers a lot of times from the opposite problem. It's, it's usually too blatant, and the jokes are too, like, easy. And a lot of times, that's what happens here with Spaceballs. Uh, 90% of the jokes here are easy. You know, we've already talked about Lord Helmet, uh, pizza, I mean, it's all just sight gags. It's a lot of unfunny dick and fart jokes. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like those jokes as much as the next person, but, you just kill it. You just, you just overdo it. And so... Yeah, uh, you know that when you when that's your best offer to me, I, I, I'm I'm going to look elsewhere. You know, parody is as best when it's not taking itself serious, and when it's perfectly dissecting why it is parodying. And we see this with the merchandising. I think that's that's the biggest push in this film is when it's dissecting the film and the
1: spaceballs, the toilet paper,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that joke that of well, that that series of reoccurring gags doesn't come until about halfway through the film. Yeah, I think that's when it's the most on the nose. And smartest parody of Star Wars. Yeah, I think this is someone who doesn't really get Star Wars parodying Star Wars. I don't, I'm not to say Mel Brooks doesn't you know hate Star Wars. Yeah.
2: I don't think that he gets the machine, but he doesn't understand the the soul. Yeah, yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, I think there has to be this level of absurdity. We see Frankenstein's monster and young Frankenstein singing and dancing. It's it's so absurd. It's, mm-hmm. it's unheard of. And there has to be this envelope pushing where you either go all out or you don't go out at all. And we see this in, in Scary Movie more recently. We see it in Blazing Saddles. You know, Blazing Saddles works well because it is riding that, that line of going too far, and it rides it well. The whole movie. Yeah, and that's that's where your guys like Seth MacFarlane come in. Mm-hmm. They, they push the limit. They know they have to push the envelope, and that's what makes the parody work. And that's uh, Life of Brian. It's, it's edgy. You know, parody played safe is the worst type of parody. Yeah. Spaceballs is really a greatest hits collection for Mel Brooks. All the jokes have been done, the breaking of the fourth wall, that happens so much here. It just doesn't have the same effect because of how he plays it. For me, I think he does it too much. The the one-offs that it's a great dissolve, that works, but yeah. it's like a good percentage of the jokes are meta-jokes. Yeah, he, the, 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 the best jokes. Fight, uh, the fight, the, the, the VCR thing. I think the VCR thing is a great trick. I think mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. It's it's really funny, yeah. But I feel like he overdoes it here. Um you know, Blade the Saddles when they break it, or even in the Holy Grail when they break the fourth wall, it changes the game. It ratchets up the comedy and it blows our mind on what we're watching. And I think fair. we missed that mark here uh, in Spaceballs, and because uh, we kind of expect it to happen by this point in, in the movies he's doing, because he's he's been breaking that wall so so long. You know, the last half of Mills' career is essentially just him on autopilot as he makes the easy joke and his films suffer for it. Spaceballs has some fine moments, but the parody falls flat. It plays more like a space adventure film instead of a parody, and that hurts it severely. I, I think the romance here is too grand, even. I think I would have almost ended the romance where Bone Star doesn't go back. Let it ride. I'm not kidding.
0: When I was a kid, the first time I saw this, once it was on TNT, TBS, something yeah. like that. The way they would cut to commercial after the chestburster joke, check, please. I thought that's how the that movie ended. <laughs> For about five years. (laughs) This movie is way better if it ends right there. Yeah.
2: This movie also has like 18. It suffers from the Mm overending. Yeah. Because there are about 10 moments where you could have closed this movie out. That is fair. Um, You know, this is a film where the romance is too grand that it capsizes the comedy. If you look at Dracula Dead and Loving It, you have a problem where the jokes are so in your face. And not in this offensive way, but they're just. They're big jokes. We'll go a little longer. Another big joke. And so the jokes are just. They're big, but they don't really do anything. Mm-hmm. And it kind of lets the air out of that story. And Dracula Dead and Loving It's pacing, I think, is terribly hurt because of it. Um, you know, Men in Tights, going back to that, is probably the best balance of the series of films. And I think if you go back to Men in Tights, you see parody as best. I think Mel's trying a little more there. And he gets to have a lot more fun, I think, with parody. I mean, the guy's a master of it. He is. Mm-hmm. Especially if you go back in his earlier career. But Spaceballs is a strong example of where it goes completely wrong, I think. And so. Well, I like that very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Um, thank you for that parody and genre
1: analysis. Um, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what analysis bring you? Well, I want to revisit an old friend uh,
0: that we've talked about, or I've talked about on the show here a couple of times, and that's uh, symbolic interactionism. Uh, and that is this kind of this school of thought and sociology, uh, in sociology in which, basically, you, you can study how we interact with each other. So, what a stop sign means, what a middle finger means, uh, what a... Uh, its complicated relationship status means. How we use these symbols to form the society we live in. Uh, and when I thought about why I thought about this while watching Space Spaceballs, Spaceballs was this idea of a cultural shorthand. Uh, people of a certain age group kind of come in a, certain, in a certain similar upbringing, really come to have a cultural shorthand with one another. I, I can meet just about any guy born from, you know, 84 to 94, Mm -hmm. and we'll get along pretty well, any white guy from 84 to 94 who grew up in the suburbs, because we have a similar cultural shorthand. We understand the same things. Any suburban dude from 84 to 94, we're going to get along because we grew up with the same things. We grew up in Ninja Turtles, we grew up with... Power Rangers, we grew up with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And to me, Star Wars is the most important cultural shorthand that we have. Because it's one of the biggest things ever. Mm -hmm. And it's not only big in its success, but it's big in its ability to span generations. Because it started in 77, it ended quote-unquote in 2005, and it started back up, you know, just last year with the news that, you know, episode 7 was in production. So, Star Wars is just kind of decades-spanning genre-spanning, cultural-spanning um, thing. This this nebulous uh, thing that has become a cultural shorthand for, you know, you need to establish very quickly that somebody's nerdy, okay, they like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Which is stupid, because everyone likes Star Wars. Literally everyone likes Star Wars. My grandmother likes Star Wars. <laughs> literally, Listen to me, literally everyone likes Star Wars. The next time you need to make a joke about someone being nerdy, stretch your fucking legs, please. It's very bothersome to me. Because it is a cultural shorthand. That's why Spaceballs works when it does. That's why parody works when it does, is you take something that is in the cultural zeitgeist, that is in the, the myopia of how we interact with one another. You know, I can, you can make a Star Wars joke with literally anyone and they'll get it.
2: Yeah. I can't breathe in this thing!
0: And that's why Spaceballs could have worked better and does work at all, mm-hmm. is everyone gets Pizza the hut. Everyone knows who Jabba the hut is. I yep. mean, if you stay on the surface level, if you don't go digging into the expanded <sniffs> universe, then everyone's going to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, you know, the lightsabers as phallic symbols, I mean, all this yeah. stuff works because of the cultural shorthand that we have with Star Wars. And I think that it's important to remember that cultural shorthand is not a connection make. Which is, I think, is why Spaceball suffers. It doesn't really connect with me, and I don't know how well it connects. Obviously, Arthur doesn't connect with you that well either. Um, doesn't. I don't care about you.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but oh, well. my my point is, I can sit down at a bar with a guy born between eighty four and ninety. Well, not ninety four. He's not twenty one yet. <laughs> um, ninety three, uh, and we'll have a conversation, and we might get along very well because we have the same cultural shorthand. Mm. but that's not a connection. Just because we both watched Transformers Beast Wars uh, after school doesn't mean we understand each other. Yeah. And just because my grandmother gets a, you know, Boba Fett reference doesn't mean that I understand what my grandmother's life was like, nor does that mean she (laughs) understands what my life is like. I mean, that's how absurd it is. Yeah. Blue flying monkeys. I get that reference. I get that (laughs) I love that joke. That's a great joke in Avengers. Um... But yeah, just because you get someone's cultural shorthand, and we all get each other's cultural shorthand when it's something as big as Star Wars, and it does kind of create this false sense of togetherness, Uh, but if you don't really get the heart of it, then it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, And and I think that's something important to keep in mind, is that that cultural shorthand, while it is useful in getting to know people, and while it's useful to connecting to an audience in terms of filmmaking, it's not always necessarily something, you know, more than skin deep. Uh... And that, I think that's something that's really important to keep in mind
1: with anything, especially when we're talking about parody filmmaking. Excellent, Mr. Dalster. Thank you for that. Um, I appreciate it very much. I was born in 80, and I still think we have the same shorthand. Moving right along. I gave it a 10-year span, but yeah, no, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Since Star Wars did come out in 77. Exactly. So, nonetheless... Uh, my analysis I want to talk about uh, something uh, a term we've bandied about a little bit Nick James has a great article uh, you can find it at Sight and Sound you can also find it on Nick James's uh, Twitter account he is the editor in, at, in, at, editor-in-chief at yeah. Sight and Sound um, the BFI's magazine and he wrote this uh, great little article on vulgar auteurism uh, this idea that there are these auteurs who make these uh, distinct definitive personal sets of films but they're not Frank Capra and Alfred Hitchcock and John Ford and, and the other, you know, major gods of the pantheon of um, auteurist filmmaking. They're not Ozu's. They're not Fellini's. They're not those kind of people. A uh, Kurosawa, maybe. Uh, Wells, so, yeah. You know, we could go. I mean, Just saying smart names. Yeah. All the names. We <laughs> get it, Dustin. In. You know a lot of smart names. <laughs> yeah, hey. thank you. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, but you're right, though. Yeah, that, that's the point. Is that you know filmmaking because you know these names, right? Yes, exactly. And, and and James was going to make the argument that there is a tourism in uh, some of these lesser. Uh, Direct a video, mm-hmm. uh, schlocky, uh, B film uh, sort of filmmakers. He mentions Paul Verhoeven as we've, Yeah,
0: we've talked about this a little bit on the show before, and Verhoeven and Michael Bay are kind of the two that we mentioned when mm-hmm. we talk about this idea of vulgar autourism. Good lord, vulgar autourism. Uh, that it really is a time to us, surprisingly. it is. We've, but we've talked about it a little on the show before, and I think Verhoeven, you know, Starship Troopers, Robocop, and Michael Bay of Michael Bay. We, we've talked about them a lot. Those are guys that kind of come to mind, right? Right, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I want to say that Mel Brooks is the vulgar tour perhaps, of Woody Allen. Uh, he, Oh, yeah. Uh, but specifically, he's making sort of the same sorts of movies always. He's putting himself in the films, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, again kind of a Woody Allen thing. Uh, a Jewishness is a major source of humor, yeah. always in all yeah. Woody Allen
0: and all Mel Brooks. Yeah,
1: the Schwartz. That, I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the
0: Smith of Jewish last names. Yeah.
1: And so, there, there's this sort of, I want to say that he is definitely a vulgar tour. and if you're going to try to classify, if we were trying to marry partners, which might be a fun um, game to play someday, where you marry uh, the vulgar tour to his high art tour. Ooh. Uh, but, well, um, submit. Well, and then the mid-brow tour. Right, yeah. right. Submit your suggestions, dear listener.
0: Michael Bay.
1: <laughs> Ridley
0: Steven Scott. Steven Spielberg. Ridley Scott.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what Mel Brooks does, though, is his films. One of the requirements of a tourism is obviously competent filmmaking. Yeah, and I think he's absolutely competent in making films. Uh, sometimes he's less competent in writing the jokes. And again, I think it may be, as, as Dalton mentioned, his familiarity or understanding or you know ability to tap into the soul of the source material. Because he doesn't ever come up with his own thing. The genre of the Western is already there laying out for him. And he just picks it apart and does things with it really brilliantly because I think he knows it quite well. Yeah. He seems to know the Robin Hood uh, mythos uh, quite well because you can see all of that... Um, Great classic, Errol Flynn, yeah. Robin Hood, as well as yeah. you know the very specific uh, plot movements of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, yeah. uh, working in it. So he he knows that his, uh, Frankenstein, he knows it. It seems like Star Wars, he may know less, uh, but that doesn't that that really just dictates his ability to achieve humor as far as plot structuring. Uh, when he's doing this writing, he, he's making the same movie. I'll give this the big example of Robin Hood Men and Tights uh, versus Spaceballs. Our main character has a necklace in which will be the the key piece of information, or literally a key that will get him into the pants of the lady love he's wanting. Both films have that,
0: but what? both films have a. Chastity, uh, virginity Alert. Virginity Alert character, right? Yeah, exactly. One uh, being a belt, one being uh, Joan Rivers.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Hilda, or whatever. Or oh, not. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. Her maid Marion. Her whatever. maid Marian, um, uh, whatever. Hildegard, or something. Yeah. Some, some awful German name. Yeah. Helga. Uh, yeah. We love you, Germans. Moving on. Mm,
0: uh, speak for yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, um, but you see that? You see the frequent Mel Brooks? Uh, we got to run something in the camera. Breaking of the fourth wall. That yeah. gag happens all the time. Uh, you you see frequently just showing people who are on set doing the work. Yeah, which is
0: hilarious to me. That is really funny.
1: Another big Mel Brooks sort of thing is a reference to the Mel Brooks oeuvre when they pull out the VCR, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That they, they go through all the list of his movies uh, up to this point. Yeah. To get the right one out, uh, Men in Tights. Same sort of thing. They're going to point um, at you to be the new sheriff, uh, and of course, you know, they're like a black sheriff. And he like worked in Blazing Saddles. I yeah. mean, it, yeah, it, it's a. I'm making these movies. You're watching one of my movies, don't you know? And so there's this sort of wisdom, um, knowledge winking that's going on. But how great you, is Dave Chappelle at in Tides? He's sorry. really good. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome. He, good. He, he's, Chappelle forever in a day, man. He's Solid. But he's making, um, as many of the great auteurs do, he's making the same movie over and over again. Uh, some, some auteurs like pick a handful of genres. I think of your Kurosawa, who's making basically gangster movies and uh, samurai films. Uh, I think of your Hitchcock, who's only making suspense films. Uh, different versions of a suspense film. That's really all. when he makes a spy film, he's making a suspense film. When he's making a horror film, he's making a, sp- yeah. a suspense film. The same thing with Mel Brooks. Well, whatever. I was going to say. <laughs> Whoops! Uh,
0: smoke him if you got him. David Fincher makes dark comedies and thrillers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love him, but it, it's very kind of yeah. or both mm-hmm. or thrilling dark comedies.
1: Right. And and what Brooks does is he plays with all the genres, but he's always making the same sort of screwball zany parodic, uh, you know, comedy. That, that that that's at work, and, and so what you're seeing there, and again the insertion of himself, yeah, and always the insertion of himself as the spiritual guide, as the person who gives the film its soul, mm-hmm. so to speak, because you know he's the one who brings it to life, right? And so, I would argue that that auteurism, a la, you know, Hitchcock, who inserts himself in all of his films, uh, or, or Scorsese, who visits the same sort of meta themes. Woody Allen. Woody Allen, etc. Those sort of people are doing the exact same sort of things. It's just that Mel Brooks is never going to work with a great budget. Mel Brooks is never going to um, give up the ability to write his own scripts... Uh, and he's going, He's never going to give or up... Or directs his own scripts. Directs his matter. own scripts, right. He's never going to give up his wacky sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just part of who he is. But he is he's definitely an artist making a uniquely... Uh, tourism's really yeah. about authorship. It's about being able to assign the work to a particular person. When we're dealing with film, of course, film's a hugely collaborative art. Talking to Nick Sanford about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hugely collaborative, and there's so little control any one person has. But there are these occasional persons... Uh, that we meet uh, in, in in American and other in world cinema that really are authors, and I think Mel Brooks is totally that. Um, it's vulgar. We don't, we don't. read about Mel Brooks in a ship textbook,
0: unless for some reason it covers parody.
1: Well, perhaps. Um, which probably it wouldn't. Um, that's why it belongs on this show. Because we're trying to say, hey, you know that same film theory thing that you learned about the Fancy Pants stuff where you learn all the fancy names like Kubrick and Boonwell and Frank Capra and blah, 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 Charlie Chaplin. Um, yeah, they're great, but um, you should think about Mel Brooks, you know, just as much. And absolutely, hence we have this show.
2: Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants.
1: And hence, that is our analysis, dear listener. And we're so glad uh, to have had this conversation, but we want to give you opportunities uh, to think more about it. But before we do that, we want to just give our final verdicts here and uh, decide what we're going to do with this film. Is it shelf or trash? And then uh, make our suggestions of else or instead. I'll begin with you, Dalton Stewart. What do you say? Um, okay. Yeah. stream it! Uh, whew. Sorry, that was really hard for me. I couldn't decide for a second. To um,
0: get that out? <laughs> we'll stream it. We'll stream it. Um, it. I think it's, as Arthur mentioned uh, a lot, it's it's kind of an essential part of the Mel Brooks canon, if only to see that late, the mid-late point of his career. Um, but for a completionist, yeah, check it out. Uh, it's not great, but if you're bored, it'll, it'll do. Um, else, or rather, I guess in this case, I, I would personally say instead... Uh, again I don't think it's a totally disposable film don't rush out and see it so we'll stream it and instead I would say watch, watch Robin Hood Men in Tights which is late Mel Brooks um, I still think they're really funny in terms of parody you can't get any better than Monty Python and the Holy Grail uh, I mean good lord uh, it's hilarious or Airplane I think Airplane's another mm-hmm. great one uh, from another pair of parody filmmaker for another parody filmmaking team in this case uh, rather than um, you know just an individual with Mel Brooks but you get the Zuckers uh, wow, talk about people who end up making some shite-awful films. The Airplane's really funny. Um, and a very specific genre to the time, this, this big disaster yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's a very
2: 70s-centric
0: 70s, yeah. genre, which yeah. I don't really understand
2: Was at it all. what, like Towering Inferno? T- Towering, Don,
0: uh, Towering Inferno, Earthquake. There's a bunch. There were a bunch. Yeah. In the late, mid to late 70s. It was really yeah. weird to me. Uh, and then, unfortunately, the 90s tried to do it again. You get things like Dante's Inferno and Volcano. 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 Deep (laughs) Impact, Armageddon. Glad we stopped doing that. Dark times. Oh, wait. Nope. 2012.
2: Damn. Thanks, Roland. Day after tomorrow. Thanks, Roland.
0: Roland quit it. My point is, there are better versions of this. Oh, yeah. And I would recommend those. I would recommend you seek out the height of the parody genre here. Uh, Also, go watch Star Wars, because the entire time I was watching this, I was thinking, man, I really want to pop in Star Wars
1: right now. Yeah. So do that. So, Mr. Arthur Gordon, uh, shelf for
2: trash, else or instead, sir? I'm going to say trash. There's no love lost here for me with this one. Um, Honestly, I think this is actually the first time I've seen this in full. And so, yeah, I'd say skip it. Um, I think you watch Blazing Saddles, definitely. I think you watch uh, Young Frankenstein, Men in Tights, I think you watch, uh, I, I, I have a soft spot for the original Scary Movie. I don't know how well it stands, but in high school I enjoyed it quite a bit. The Wayans brothers were funny in their first outing. Um, I think you, you watch Holy Grail, and I think you watch Life of Brian. Uh, the Monty Python boys are they're good at what they do. And so if you want to see parody at its best, I think you watch some of those films.
1: Excellent, excellent. I like that very much. Uh, much of what you guys say, I heartily echo. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it is uh, shelf is probably too good. I mean, I, I'm more of a stream, you know. But Dalton is like on the borderline between stream and trash. I'm yeah. more on the borderline between uh, stream yeah. and shelf. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I, I, I I appreciate it uh, more.
0: What Dustin's saying is that I give it two trash cans. He gives it three trash cans. Correct. Or two and a half. Um, but yeah. yeah, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Mostly I just want to try it out again.
2: Two trash cans and a garbage pail.
0: <laughs> the the, lid, right? the yeah. eight <laughs> of you that bothered to listen to that Silence of the Lambs episode are really getting a kick out of this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and um, So I, I like it a lot. Um, I would echo, again, uh, much of the, the, the Mel Brooks oeuvre uh, and, and whatnot to be visited because I think he is great. He's better in other places. I like Hanging I I, I, ugh, I like... High anxiety a lot, and uh, recommend it um, partly because of um, just the, the way it plays with vertigo and yeah. you know some of those other films. It's yeah, so uh, there's a lot of fun to be had there. Uh, check out Chaplin because um, I think he's hilarious, and there's a good comedy there. Check out the Marx Brothers. Uh, watch Duck Soup immediately. Um, that's just so funny and uh, slapsticky, wacky, crazy, ridiculous sort of stuff and a lot of the source material from which uh, Brooks draws.
0: Oh, for sure. This, this is, I mean, he is definitely the descendant of the Marx Brothers, I think. It's kind of the same sense of humor that lots of Goofy plays on words, but a lot of meta
1: stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, check that out, and uh, I think a good time uh, would be had uh, by all if you did so. Uh, thank you so much, gentlemen, uh, for your suggestions, dear listener. You may have some homework. Uh, let's uh, move on now and just talk about what you guys, uh, the dear listener... This show is all about you. Uh, what it is you thought about what we said uh, so far this week, uh, what suggestions you would make uh, to play the game, match the Vulgar tour to the high-ho tour and maybe somebody in the middle. Um, do let us know about all of that but you have to find some way to connect with us and that's probably via social media. Arthur, do you know anything about that? Uh, yeah,
2: I got a couple things for you. Uh, you can find us or you can email us good at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash genre We've got a couple of things coming in this week. Uh, Randall Bays, when asked about how people felt about Spaceball, Randall Bays uh, replied that he enjoys the movie, he thinks it's fun. And Caleb Vesley uh, got a little creepy on Facebook. He said that he would like for me to sensuously rub my beard against the microphone. I'm not going to engage that fetish. <laughs> uh, however, he does say. I...
1: <laughs> we finally have a stalker! <laughs>
0: Do any of us know Caleb personally? I do. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Now, he does say, though, that I have a better voice than Dalton, so there is that. Thanks, Caleb. Yeah, suck it, Vesely. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's what we've got coming in from Facebook this week.
1: All right, good. Yeah, well, thank you, Mr. Caleb uh, for that bit of uh, advice uh, from you. Um, there's another medium of social media by which uh, we could communicate. What is that, Dalton Stewart? Yeah. Big plans, Dustin.
0: Merchandising. Good trash genre cast coffee mugs. Good trash genre cast condoms. Good trash genre cast lunch boxes, Good trash genre cast toaster strudels. Good trash genre cast toasters for the toaster strudels. Good trash genre cast mojitos. Good trash genre cast the Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find the good trash genre cast at good underscore trash. Excellent. Thank you for that. Is there any feedback uh, available? We have a quick turnaround this week. There is scant a little, but as you said, in fairness to the listener, there has been quite a quick turnaround this week. Much more than we typically have. Uh, Brad uh Leperson, I want to go ahead and... Leperson. Leperson. I, I, I'm just going to keep calling him <laughs> <laughs> I know. Brad, uh... L. Epperson, Brad Lepperson, wanted us to know that he was stoked about the Event Horizon episode, and Sam Neill is a scary man. Hashtag nightmares, hashtag antichrist, hashtag omen3. And I'm adding my own hashtag, hashtag why are you scared of English people, Brad? (laughs) He's not that scary. Uh, Caleb wrote in and said uh, he he used us to plug himself a little bit. (laughs) I bet he did phrasing but he he called himself at good trash uh caleb at good trash caleb hosts oh no never mind he didn't use this to plug himself my bad (laughs) caleb hosts game of thrones fan cast at cast beyond at cast underscore beyond underscore G O T. You really should be at cast underscore beyond underscore the wall. I'm sorry, Caleb. Uh, but the first episode of their second <laughs> season of that show is is live, so we retweeted that from The Good Trash. Always happy to support a, uh, a fellow, uh, or a rather a former a collaborator. Uh, Caleb, we're happy to see you uh, still podcasting out there. Um, and Caleb Vesely, once again, giving me crap on the Twitter. A listener he, of the week. Listener, listener of the week, Caleb Vesely, said he had a, a month idea, a, a marathon idea. Nicholas Cage November. Have you ever heard... Have you ever heard of Nicholas Cage Roulette? If not, look it up. Could it be fun? Question mark? I don't know, Caleb. Could it be? Use proper punctuation. Um, I've never heard of Nicholas Cage Roulette. Have either of you? No. no. Well, then we'll look it up later and give you a report back. But I like that as a marathon idea. So I would say, <laughs> listeners, that that is enough feedback between tweets and retweets and and favorites to keep me from having to subject you to this week in Nick Sanford. We actually do have one, one other piece of feedback. Again, Caleb Vesely uh, trying to cement his place as listener of the week, and I really feel like this last week trying to supplant Brigham Cole as a number one listener. Brigham, step up your game. Because Caleb Vesley puts out there that we should have a Hitchcock rule, uh, much like the Fincher rule for me, for Dustin Sells. <laughs> uh, and, and they kind of went back and forth a little bit about, one, yes, Hitchcock is awesome, but two, Dustin, you know of more than one director. Caleb also did want to let us know that he's he just watched the, finally watched the last five episodes of True Detective last night. Amazing, all caps, period. McConaughey's
1: arc in the finale is phenomenal. Outstanding. Well, good job, Caleb. Um, And uh, good job, gentlemen, uh, for sharing that. Obviously, we are available at Podbeam. We are also available at Stitcher Internet Radio and uh, through your iTunes. uh, So you can listen to us in a great many, several ways. There's also an iProach... Or not? excuse me. There's also a Tumblr account... Uh, for the good trash Um there's pictures there of things that we talk about, which is kind of fun, and occasionally articles, and occasionally funny, gif-y looking things. So, you should waste some time there. Do it, and let's move on, though, because guys, I think it's time for the game. Time to play the
2: game. Time to play the game. <laughs>
1: We're, we're going to play the Star Wars parody game, and we're going to cast our Star Wars parody. And so we're going to come up with uh, the major figures of the film uh, via Star Wars, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited to hear uh, what you gentlemen have to say. I begin with you, Mr. Arthur Gordon.
2: What do you say? All right. Lou Skywalker. I'm going to put in Adam Scott of Parks and Rec. I think it'd be fun. Also, our Dalton lookalike of the week. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. I think for Obi Wan, just because of his turn at the end of Spaceballs, I'm gonna put John Hurt in as Obi Wan Kenobi, cool. just because I think it might be fun to see him cut loose there. Uh, as Lord Vader, I'm gonna put in Jeffrey Tambor, um, oh, okay. just for fun. I, I think like that he idea. can have that divani presence, but also comedy. He's comedy. Uh, Princess Leia, Emma Stone, to sit next to. She has good comic timing. I think. It. Uh You look at Zombie Land, definitely uh, easy A. Uh, for Chewy, I need somebody hairy, so I went with Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> I think uh, there could be something done there. Uh, and finally, as Mr. Han Solo, I'm going to go with Star Lord himself, Chris Pratt, and put him in as the best, uh, whatever Han Solo is. My mind's not working right now. Smuggler? Smuggler, there we go, that's the word. I'm going to put him in as the best smuggler in the world, Han Solo. I like it very much. Very good picks, Mr. Arthur Gordon, Mr. Dalton
1: Stewart. Uh, have you got some Star Wars parody casting picks? I do. I do
0: indeed. Uh, I am looking at uh, Han Solo, and for Han Solo, I really want to see Jason Sudeikis. I mean, come on, right? Yeah, <laughs> I see that. you're laughing. I see for that. for Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett, I want Will Forte and <laughs> Will Arnett. Put them wherever you want. I either one. either either yeah. or either one can be either one. I don't care. For grandmoth Tarkin, uh, I'm seeing <laughs> I'm seeing something in the neighborhood of uh <laughs> You guys like that, right? <laughs> I'm kidding, I didn't cast grandmoth Tarkin. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Um but for Princess Leia, I'm definitely seeing uh, Kristen Wick. I just, I love her to pieces. I think That's she's good. so funny. That's a good call. Yeah, thank you. That's a good I, call. I think she could be really good here. Yeah. Um, For <laughs> Vader, I, I just felt like it would be really racist of me to recast it with a white person. Uh, so I went with Key and Peele, both of them. One can be in the suit, one can do the voice, and they, I think they could do some jokes with that. Uh, I just love them both. Fair and they're, enough. They're yeah. both very funny. Um I like Alan Arkin uh, as uh, Old Ben Kenobi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm there. I'm <laughs> Thank here. you. Um for C3PO and R2D2 I also went with Chris Pratt but I went with Chris Pratt and Nick Offerman and uh C3PO <laughs> and R2D2 and not uh, just because I love Parks Wh- of the parts of right. Who's who? Who's who? Who cares? <laughs> uh <laughs> for Chewbacca the Wookiee, I went with somebody that I feel I like could f- feel like, you know, could fill out the costume, so I went with Terry Crews. I
2: feel like he could be a
0: funny uh, Chewbacca. And finally, for Luke Skywalker, I went with uh, Jack McBrayer, uh, better known as Kenneth the Page from 30 Rock. Oh, okay. he's blonde and goofy. Yeah, looking yeah, yeah. And, okay. and is a mortally young-looking, also like Mark Hamill. Um, yeah. I just... Ah. Uh, I think there's a better there's a better Star Wars parody than Spaceballs waiting to be made. That's yeah. my feeling.
2: Can we get Dave Chappelle's Mace Windu? Oh God! <laughs> Can that happen? Have you seen the
0: sketch? There is a Chappelle, show, <laughs> a Chappelle show sketch where there has been allegations of sexual abuse at the Jedi Academy. Oh no! <laughs> and Yoda has been forced to step down as the head of the Jedi Academy, and the new head of the Jedi Academy is Mace Windu, and it's Dave Chappelle? Chappelle, but. It's, Just regular Sam Jackson He's got a sweater And a jerry curl And a cigarette (laughs) Master Windu What do you think Of the Jedi's That have been uh, Had these allegations Brought against him Yes they deserve to die And I hope they burn (laughs) in hell It's one of my Favorite Chappelle show sketches that's it's, it's brilliant that's funny I actually did have a Grand Moth Tarkin I wasn't kidding but I can't remember who I thought of <laughs> is- it was another SN- former SNL cast ah, member that's fantastic so, that's funny but uh, I'm I'm aware most of mine are just a bunch of people who've been on NBC yeah but uh, that's because NBC, NBC gets the funniest comedy. people yeah. yeah
1: TBS you don't know funny NBC does yeah nice uh, so what was required for my parody recast is a time machine okay And so we have to go back in time a little bit. And in fact, I'm going to use only characters from a film involving a time machine to recast... Uh, the uh, the Star Wars parody that I want to see.
2: Come on, Back to the Future.
1: Uh, that's that's what it is. <laughs> I want to see Marty as Han Solo. I want to see Crispin Glover as Luke Skywalker. I want to see Leah Thompson as Princess Leia because obviously, yeah. uh, I Doctor <laughs> Emmett Brown as Obi Wan Kenobi. Einstein as Chewbacca. <laughs> the Delorean as both C three PO and R two D two. And, and the Falcon. And the William Falcon fine. Uh, Biff Tannen as uh, obviously uh, Darth Vader. Darth Vader and finally Mr. Strickland uh, as the uh, Emperor the, as the Emperor yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fantastic it's perfect it absolutely works and, well and, Grandma, and I've even got Goldie Wilson to play Lando Calrissian it's good it's fantastic it needs to happen Darth Vader the Sith Lord <laughs> <laughs> So um, that's That's my parody Recast <laughs> That's so good And I wanted To be shot this, like Kind of like a, The most dangerous Game shot at the Same time as King Kong yeah. So in the morning They're shooting Back to the Future In and the, the, the afternoon, afternoon. They're <laughs> shooting their, their Star Wars remake That's what I want To have I would happen. watch that So hard Oh my god So, so hard That's a fun game uh, uh, uh,
0: You have no idea What you just did <laughs> It's a 12 year old Me Putting putting Leah Thompson <laughs> In a and, still bikini? <laughs>
1: uh, well, and
0: really, anything Princess Leia, you're a monster. <laughs> That's funny. The damage doesn't look as bad from out here.
1: Oh, lord. So, dear Lister, we would like to hear your recasts. We'd like for you to play the game right alongside us and uh, let us know what you think uh, about the possibilities <laughs> of a parody of That's the great uh, canon films of the Star Wars universe. Uh, let's move on and uh, finish up this show as we always do. And the way we always finish up the show is with what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. Fire, it up! Fire! So as we begin to talk about what's got us fired up this week in pop culture, I begin with Mr. Dalton Stewart, if you would, sir. Dazzles! Well, as we are
0: recording this week's episode within the same week we recorded last week's episode, if that checks out to you, time travel. um, I'm still fired up about a lot of the same things. I'm still looking forward to the premieres of this season of Game of Thrones and Silicon Valley. I haven't got to see either of those yet. Um, I'm still looking forward to Captain America the Winter Soldier. By the time you listen to this episode, I'll have experienced all of these things and hopefully we'll be able to tell you about them the next time we record and what I thought about them. Mm -hmm. So, here's looking forward to that. But I I do have some new things. Um, uh, I am really fired up. We've talked about Hannibal a lot the last couple of weeks. For those, again, those eight of you that listen to Silence of the Lambs episode, you got more (laughs) of it than anyone else. But uh, the three of us have really been uh, into NBC's Hannibal a lot lately. I... Found uh, on AV Club, which is, um, you know, for those of you not familiar with the AV Club, what are you doing on the internet? But, you know, the branch of the onion that covers pop culture, they have the TV Club. uh, And for the shows that they really get into, they will reach out to the showrunner of those shows and have that showrunner do kind of a walkthrough once the season's over. So just kind of walk us through your process for this season, episode by episode. Well, they got Brian Fuller from Hannibal to do it as it was airing. So every Saturday... The Friday after the episode's aired, you can see Brian Fuller in an interview with uh, Todd VanderWolf from the AV Club going over that episode and kind of walking through, breaking the story, what that story means to Brian Fuller in the story arc of the season. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I highly recommend it. I like it a lot. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. I've read all of them. Uh, And they're just really awesome to kind of see as the season's happening, not this retrospective thing, but as it's happening, him be able to be like, I'm so excited to finally get to talk to people about this. Because i been able to talk to the people who like the show, because the show hasn't aired yet. So it's it's really cool. Also, fired up about music, I usually am. But um, this week I'm, I'm listening to things that I haven't listened to in a while. Um, the Clash is always in rotation on my my shuffle for my, my iPod my iPhone. But uh, I've been listening to The Clash a lot more than, than usual lately. And just, man, if you haven't ever taken the time to catch up on them... I know we're kind of getting to a point where we're so far out from the Clash that we're only hearing what they influenced, much like Mel Brooks, mm-hmm. as we talked about. But if you haven't taken time to revisit the Clash, uh, they're really great. They're, to me, it's actually more the origins of of alt-rock than people usually go to kind of go to the Cure bands like that for where alt-rock started. Uh, but for me, it's more the Clash because it, it takes that, that, that attitude and that politics of, of punk rock and it kind of... Meshes it with this this experiment this willing to experiment this really this musical complexity I, I mean that's really quite heavy I mean especially getting into the later stuff there's a lot of reggae influence in there some some kind of electronic music kind of starts creeping in I, I really just I love them a lot and and if you haven't taken the time I really recommend it um, also I've been listening to a genre of music that I used to hate but it really helps me focus at work and that's dumb stuff <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. I don't know why. I used to say dubstep, and now I kind of like it a little bit. It's fun. I like it. It's just... Womp, womp. It's robots fighting. It helps yeah. me fight. I, You know, it's. I listen to it at the same time I would normally listen to gangster rap. It just, it's Those heavy beats help me focus. I don't know what it is. To get a thousand miles from the Earth, a rocket would need this much power. It would take far more than a human lifetime. But a space station might look something like this. To get a thousand miles from the Earth, a rocket would need this much power. This much power. This much power.
2: What's up the people are let off the cast We can do it They then i would have no fire Partically paste the energy and the power we real film, they must check the real star up now me face, So they ready for the war Populi a bazaar Mat like a lion, what time to will Nice. That's why they utilize it in horror film to really build the tension so you can focus on the screen.
0: right? Man, yeah. You do, Double Step has become really popular in horror films. I.E. Uh, Sinister. Sinister. Yeah. yeah. Jinx. It's not even... Yeah, it's, it's just like this... And the thing I like about Sinister, I know we've talked about this before, but it's that mixture of that typical or- orchestration with, with the sound effects, with the actual uh, diegetic noises of the film... With the, the kind of the, the electronically manipulated... Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's really it's interesting, though. No, it's
2: something you see in the Event Horizon, actually. In 97, he's doing a lot of that same sort the of... La- orchestr- the orchestration with and with the... the techno. Yeah. yeah, I mean...
0: Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Interesting conversation about horror and electric music. Yes. But that's all I got to say. All well, right. thank I'm you
2: for
1: that, you. Dalton Stewart. Uh, Mr. Arthur Gordon, are you fired up this week?
2: Actually, yeah, i got a few things. First just while we're on the topic of Event Horizon, did you know there's like a, a 30 minutes additional that they cut from that film? Yeah. A lot gorier. Yeah. Why? I wish we could have seen that movie. I know, me too. Yes. Regardless. Anyway, okay, so Marvel has announced, Kevin Feige has announced, that they have films scheduled until 2028.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I'm sorry, what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Feige has announced that Marvel has films announced, planned, dated until 2000 in 28. So 14, 14 years. years from now. There are Marvel films lined up for 14 years. That's awesome. That's crazy <laughs> to think about isn't it? I want to know who, who we're going to get. I've, I've heard Doctor Strange. I've heard uh, Black Panther. There's yeah, some give fun me stuff
1: Doctor here. Strange.
2: Give me Black Panther. There's some fun stuff.
0: Down. Liberate there Wakanda stuff by comes. any means necessary
1: motherfucker. <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 Say Wakanda <laughs> one more time. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> On a more tragic and related note, uh, producer Jason Bloom has announced that there could be a Purge movie every year. <laughs> every? Here's the, I had no idea they
0: were making a sequel to The Purge. Less than a year. Like, literally yeah. a yeah. year it's going to come out less... It's going to come out, like, ten months after, after the, the original. original. I actually think it's really interesting, though, to uh, see... Because The Purge is a really interesting story or idea for a story. Yeah. It's a very high concept horror film. Yeah. That from what I've heard, again, I didn't really see it, but kind of just boil it down to a generic home invasion film. Yeah.
2: Well, I saw Funny Games and I think that's what it was wanting.
0: Yeah. But I like the idea of getting to see that idea on like, oh, you don't get to hide in your super smart house. You st- you ran out <laughs> of gas. <laughs> 10 minutes before yeah. Nightfall on the Purge.
2: Yeah. I think that's really brilliant. Yeah. I think it can be fun. A lot of potential. But he wants to do one every year? He said there's potential. He thinks it could be fun. Yeah, oh, geez. Um, next thing, last night, David Letterman announced his retirement that's right. after 20 something years or 30 something years of uh, Tonight Show hosting. Some, I think 20, he took over the late show in 93. Yeah. So um, just kind of the end of an era there with Leno finally stepping down and mm-hmm. actually stepping down this time. And Letterman now retiring. And kind of. New era in late show. Uh, the next thing, I don't know if it's been actually confirmed or if he's just in talks, but it looks like Michael C. Hall could be putting on the red suit of Daredevil, and so that Ooh, that has potential that as a part of heavy. Netflix's uh, Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> it's like
1: it's that, like that blew up my wave
2: files. So <laughs> gonna get cut. <laughs> Matt Murdoch could finally get the proper treatment he deserves. It's like
0: a texture like not shitty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
2: finally, the last thing I'm interested in uh, uh, I'm not familiar very much with Jim Jarmusch, uh, but this could be the gateway. But his new film, The Only Lovers Left Alive, I'm uh, looking starring to Tom Hiddleston and uh, Tilda Swinton, about uh, this kind of suburban drama. Featuring vampires.
1: Oh, I think they're both actually vampires. Yeah, yeah, they're actually. Yeah. But it's, no, no, no. Tilda Swinton is a vampire. Oh, you think? Uh, and in real so life. is Tom Hiddleston. In real uh, life, they're yeah. vampires. They're a real vampire. Explains that there's girls really, men charm. There's only two on the planet, and they're Tilda Swinton and Tom. Hiddleston. <laughs> Three. You forgot Nicholas Cage. Nicolas Cage. Well, perhaps Johnny Depp, because that man is not age. I'm just saying. <laughs>
2: is Leo. Leo hasn't aged since he was about nineteen.
1: <laughs> True that.
0: I'm really looking forward to that. If you haven't seen Jim Jarmusch, the three that I would suggest you start with are Ghost Dog: Way the Samurai, which is his most commercial, Coffee and Cigarettes, which is a lot of vignettes, and Dead Man because it's got Johnny Depp and because it's a western. I just think those are the great gateway films. I like him quite a bit. Stranger Than hey. Paradise. I gotta say,
1: Stranger Than Paradise. Watch it too because that's one of his early ones, right? I don't yes, think I've seen. I that love one.
0: it. That's. I think that's one I haven't checked out. Yep.
2: Well Dustin sales. I
1: am. I'm a little fired up. I'm not um, nearly as fired up as you gentlemen. Um, Thank you for bringing me this great list of things about which for one to be fired. Um, But I am. I gotta say this. I didn't say it. um, It was opening day last time we recorded and I knew I had some other things to talk about. So I'm going to say it now. Baseball season is upon us. And it is a wonderful thing. I love spring. I love baseball, and I'm very, very happy uh, to be uh, following that and seeing all the things that happen. My team is not doing. Neither of my teams are doing as well as I'd like them to be. But uh, that's part of the game, right? So <laughs> very, very excited about that because um, I do like the sports that no one else watches. Uh, moving on, I just read a comic called Tale of Sand. It's a graphic novel. It's a actually it's an unproduced screenplay by Jim Henson. Uh, back during the Dark Crystal slash um, Labyrinth days, and it is this super crazy, trippy, surreal journey through somebody's nightmare, um, and it's fantastic. I, I I I can tell you what it's about, but I I would have to actually say all the things because I'm not sure what it's about. But it's fabulous, and uh, you should definitely definitely. Uh, i be checking that out immediately. Um, also, I'm quite fired up about uh, just uh, my friend Ian Dahl uh, works for a little uh, company called Sequart uh, uh, Research and Literature, and they kind of do what we do with just comics. Hmm. And so they hmm. are, th- not I mean, they say comics slash pop culture as we do films slash pop culture, uh, a whole lot of movies and a little bit of the other stuff. That's sort of what they do as okay. well. Uh, read a great article about uh, Captain America uh, and some of the better, lesser-known uh, sort of America mythology stories uh, that are available out there. One of which, uh, just just I want to make reference to because I hadn't ever heard of this and I want to pick it up immediately. And it's called uh, Truth, uh, Red, White, and Black. And it's all about what happened with the whole super soldier serum that Steve Rogers takes to become Captain America and how they tested it on African Americans first. Because oh, wow. that's what they would uh, have done. That's right. heavy. Oh my goodness, yeah. And I just read you know, six paragraphs on it, probably. Uh, that was part of the analysis of this particular when article. When did that come out? Uh, it came out, the, If us see if there happens to be a year in the article. Um, it would appear I don't have one. I, I'm willing to bet mid-2000s. That sounds like a mid-2000s comic. It was not collected in a single volume until 2009. So I'm thinking uh, early aughts or perhaps late 90s. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's fantastic idea, uh, fantastic concept. It's something I have not actually picked up, but I want to pick it up and I want to send to everyone I can, uh, to Sequart, S-E-Q-U-A-R-T, Research and Literature. Um, they teach literacy via pop culture. They also have this high school teaching program uh, in Canada where they're based, where they are um, teaching these pop culture courses to high school students to increase their literacy.
2: That's cool.
1: Which is, yeah, amazing. That's really cool. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the last comic thing I wish to say uh, today, is my boys had their birthdays very recently, and I bought some Marvel Masterworks, some comics from the 60s collected, and... Uh, Josiah, my youngest, uh, read the entirety of the Spider-Man origin story and introduction of the Rogues gallery uh, as a comic book. So he read 180 pages uh, worth of book. I know there were pictures, but um, my seven-year-old loves to read now because of comics. I'm excited about that. Um, My oldest read the Silver Surfer um, origin story like in a day. But... (laughs) But anyway, I just, I love comics uh, a lot right now, and there's something I'm thinking about uh, quite often. So, excited to see uh, Winter Soldier and uh, what else is coming down the pike. Dear Lister, what are you fired up about? Um, there's a whole lot going on. Arthur made a slew of announcements. What are your reactions uh, there, too? Uh, what do you think of the clash in punk rock? Um, love it or die is all I can say to you. And uh, that's, yeah. That's, that's really where the opinion lies uh, for me. But do tell me what you think about that, and uh, take a look at a movie for next time. Next week's film is a host pick from Mr. Dalton Stewart. What say you, sir? Well, uh, you know, I like to keep with the theme
0: of a marathon when my, my pick falls in a marathon. And uh, guys, guess what? It turns out, you know, it's always streaming on Netflix since Netflix started streaming
1: things.
2: Hmm, gee let me guess well,
1: I, yeah, I don't know does that have anything to do with science fiction and a knockoff of Star Wars Han Solo shut your mouth oh, does does you it? shut your <laughs>
0: filthy mouth no something is way better than Star Wars and Star Trek coats
2: of brown may be worn
0: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen because we're doing a space exploration marathon and because it's my turn to pick we will be watching Serenity the first feature film written and directed by Joss Whedon uh, on next week's Episode, I could not be more excited.
1: Beware of political commentary from Dustin Sellers and Dalton Stewart. <laughs> yeah, I think we both are going to have a lot to say about that. So uh, there should be good times to be had on that. But take a look at that, and uh, we'll we'll definitely uh, pick apart the film and talk about the Whedon stuff. I'm sure there might be a Whedonistic sort of game um, because we get quite Whedonistic with our love of the Whedon. And uh, see, I play with hedonism and Whedon yeah, no. hedonistic yeah. with yeah. our love of the Whedonistic. You like yeah, that? Yeah. 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 Uh, and so until then, um, suggest your games. And ideas for what we might play when we play the game uh, with this particular film, and uh, catch a movie in the meantime with somebody you care about. Maybe catch one at the uh, Film Society, uh, Film Preservation Society festival at the Museum of Art, and maybe you'll which see- will be almost over by the time you hear this. Perhaps, um, and we'll try to catch you just as soon as possible next time. Um, until then, we'll see you next time. The job of the hurt. If you wanna survive, don't mess with the hurt. If you wanna survive, don't mess with the the hurt. If you wanna survive, don't mess with the the hurt. If you wanna survive, oh that tonic in the color won't you turn on? Won't you turn on that defroster for the solo? Oh the solo needs defrosted, won't you turn on? Won't you turn on that defroster? Don't mess with the Don't mess with y'all my love I don't mess with the hearts if you-